Let's end our series on relationship renovation. Relationship renovation. To make better, to improve. Jesus renovated our relationship between us and God the Father. He made something that didn't exist, that was broken and totally shattered. He fixed it all through the cross. So relationship renovation. We're going to be in 2 Samuel 19 as we've spent most of our time in the life of David. The reason is, is the Old Testament and all the Bible, no one contains, the Bible contains no more about any person except for Jesus than David. He has more chapters than anyone else in the Bible, save our Lord and Savior. And he has all the good, bad, and the ugly, especially in the area of relationships. That's why the Bible is true. It doesn't cover over or put icing over the flaws of its characters. It shows them in all of their splendor and all of their ugly. So we're going to learn something new from the Word of God. 2 Samuel 19. Now let me set this up. This is a small, little-known story about him and, a, and someone he has two commun- contacts with. He has two communications with. Both of them are, both of them are bad. So his name is Shami. In 2 Samuel 16, David is run out of his kingdom by a treasonous son, Absalom. He's run out of his kingdom, and he's headed out, and Shimei meets him, and he's got his family members there. Now, look, if someone says something bad about you in front of you, that's one thing. You get all your kids and your wives and everyone around, boy, that's white knuckle. You get, it's even worse. It's harder to control yourself. So Shimei comes out, you bloody man, this is your fault. He's up, Shimei is of the descent and of the household of Saul. This war is your fault. The reason you, this tyranny is your fault. He goes after him. He curses the king. I mean, he just lambasts him. Well, the people around him, including his mighty men, said, we're going to kill this guy right here and right now. They say, no, no, no. David says, no. Excuse me. They say, we're going to kill him. David says, no. Don't touch him. Leave him alone. I put all that in God's hands. The relationships on this earth, I know what God's called me to do. I love. God's called me to live with integrity. I let him be the judge of the universe. He does that. That's 2 Samuel 16. So now we're three chapters later. Uh, Absalom is out of there. David is coming back over the Jordan with all his family. He's got them all there again, all the mighty men, all his family. He just crosses over the Jordan, just gets back to his kingdom, and we pick it up in 2 Samuel 19. Excuse me, this is the, hat, the second part of 18, and we'll go from there. Now Shimei, the son of Gera, fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. Then he said to the king, Do not let my Lord impute iniquity to me or remember what wrong your servant did on the day that my Lord the king left Jerusalem. Oh, it was bad. That the king should take it to heart. Don't keep this anger, this bitterness. Please don't remember this sin anymore. Verse 20. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Therefore, here I am. The first to come today of all the house of Joseph to go down to meet my lord, the king. But Abisha, the son of Zeruah, answered and said, Shall Shemi be put to death for this because he cursed the Lord's anointed? Now this is the second time Abisha is trying to kill him. The first time he cursed him, he said, let me kill him now. So then he comes back and repentance says, can I kill him now? He's just a bit of a bloodthirsty guy. He's always looking for a fight. Now, we don't do that physically. We don't look, well, some people do. 
We don't look for fights physically, but we may be looking with our dukes up emotionally. We may be looking for fights. We're just a quick trigger. We're waiting. We're ready for it. We can come at you hard with our mouth. This is, this is, he he's happens to have a sword, but he's quick with his mouth too, isn't he? He's right on it. Can I kill him? Since, can I put him to death because he cursed the Lord's anointed? Verse 22. And David said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruah, that you should be adversaries to me today? Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For do I not know that today I am king over Israel? Therefore the king said to Shimei, you shall not die. And the king swore to him. You've got some notes there. Let's learn some new things from the word of God here. Beautiful, rich story, especially about relationships and difficulty and change in relationships. Let's look at this. The first word out of the Shemi's mouth. Do not let my God impute iniquity to me or remember what your servant has done. It's humble. Remember, he was the first one at the Jordan. As soon as he gets over on his ferry boat with all his family, he falls on his knees. Everything he can do as fast as he, we, he could do it. He says, this is on me. I was wrong. I took full responsibility. Now, remember, in chap- if you, you read in 2 Samuel 16, he was sure he was right. He said, David, this is your fault. All this blood in Israel, all this, God's done this to you. Three chapters not that long a time, David left it alone. Boy, Shimei and, and Jesus had a come-to-Jesus meeting, didn't they? Somewhere between 16 and 19, they had a serious come-to-Jesus meeting because Shimei's done a 180. He has totally been changed. This is Old Testament. Shimei doesn't have the Spirit of the Lord on the inside of him like we do, but the fear of God was in Israel. And David let the fear of God work. He let God bring repentance. He let God work in Shemi's heart. And I'll tell you, 180 degrees has happened in three chapters. And here we have it right here. There's something we learned from this, especially the way David dealt with it. Number one in your notes, always give ear to a voice of repentance. David heeds these words because Shemi's got a voice of repentance. Broken, contrite, is the, the Bible say the Lord is near the brokenhearted and the humble, right? That's literally repentant heart. He's near to those, and we as Christians say, okay, I'm always going to listen to a voice of repentance, to a voice that tries to humble itself. I have a seven-year-old son who's quite rambunctious. He has three little sisters, and he thinks that they are his football team. And he is, I, everything's great, everything's fine, everything's wonderful, they're wrestling. Poof. Ah! Oh, every, this is every day, almost every day. He's not trying to hurt him, he's just, he's a boy, he's too rough, and they're little. And he did this, he threw me, flipped, he pulled my hair, da 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 da. Ben, what did you do? Dad, I'm sorry. Da, 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 da. And I said, okay, you gotta go apologize to your sisters. Where men don't apologize face to face, you can go study this um, in psychology. Men don't apologize face to face. What they do is when they apologize, they walk up and they do this. Listen, I, um, I'm sorry. Because he's humbling himself. See, men put their head down like that and they humble themselves and I'm sorry, right? I got boys, they do that, don't they? I'll always take that. 
and even the girls and they're crying and he was mean and whatever, they'll take it because it's the voice of repentance. Amen. We need to look if there is just one percent, if there is someone trying to be repentive, especially with children, especially with insecurity, it's hard to repent. If you're tr- if they're trying to get there with you, you that maturity that David had when he could have done anything, he said, OK, it's all right. This is our savior. Look in first John one nine. First John one nine. Famous scripture. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? He hears the voice of repentance. Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, the wonderful grace of God and his forgiveness. Oh, his forgiveness. I'm going to show you one more scripture, a famous one, but let's put a new light on it. Revelation 3.20. John the Revelator is hearing the words of Christ about the seven churches, the loveless church, the compromising church, the persecuted church, the dead church, the faithful church, the last, the lukewarm church, and the very famous Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm doing this backward on purpose, if you're wondering. I'm going to read 21st, then 19. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. You've heard of that one before, right? If you've ever done evangelism anywhere, you've used that scripture probably. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's talking to his church. Now, what doors does he knock on? Is it arbitrary? No. We serve the sovereign God of the universe. What, what, what is it? What doors is he knocking on? What doors? The answer is in the previous verse. Look at 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. What are those next few words? Therefore be zealous and what? The doors he's knocking on is the door that's repentant. Amen? The doors he's knocking on is the heart of repentance. That's the ones he's close to. Be zealous for repentance. What? Be passionate about repentance? Oh, yes. Be passionate about repentance. And you're going to hear this a lot in your life. Oh, now we all are like, oh, yes. I want that for me. I want that for others. Always give ear to the voice of repentance. Let's keep looking here. Go back to our story. Second Samuel. So 19... Shimei makes a proclamation, 19 and 20. Now remember, there's people standing next to him, verse 21. And Abisha, the son of Zerurai, answered and said, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this, because he he has cursed the Lord's anointed? Now this is where it's important that we look a little longer and know exactly who these people are. There's one man and one woman in this story. Abisha is a boy, or not a boy, he's a man, young, strong, and successful. He is one of the three chief captains of David. He's one of the mighty men, and he's the one in the Bible that killed 300 men. He's kind of known for that, Abisha. His mom is the next one named. That's a woman. That's his mama, who also happens to be 
David's sister. Zeruiah is David's sister. Abisha would therefore be his, his nephew. It's way more complicated now. Now the family's in the middle of it. Oh, goodness. Abisha makes a proclamation about the way he wants this kingdom set up. Absalom messed it up. David got ran out, and they're headed back to reestablish this relationship individually and corporately, right, in this fledgling nation. And Abisha says, let me tell you how we're going to run this thing. I'm not going to let Absalom happen again. Any Absalom raises his head, we're going to cut it off. He said, I'm sick of this grace thing. David, you're, you're too loving. You're too humble. You're nothing but a, a doormat. You let people run over you, and it ain't going to happen again. I'm going to make sure. Can I kill him right now? Right? You can see that young man. Now, he's a fighter, and he knows how to kill. David's not going to let him do it. You know why? Because David said, I'm not going to build this kingdom that God has given me on anger and revenge and rage. The king steps in and says, no, we're not running this country like this. Number two on your notes. Grace or anger will define your relationship, our relationships. That's really the only way we can go with it, right? <laughs> there's grace or there's anger. Now, you can be angry and sin not. You can hate sin and the things around it. But really, in your life, you're going to live one of the two ways. And David said, this is the way this kingdom will be established. It will not be established on blood. It will never be established like that. Even though David was, in many ways, a bloody man, and he had to fight a lot of battles, which is somewhat ironic. He, he really hated all the war and the fighting. He wanted unity. He had a shepherd's heart. That's where we get our word pastor. He wanted love and unity. He hated all the battles. He had to deal with them. He had to do them. Even the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. But he wanted unity and grace because he knew that's the way healthy relationships had to grow. Grace or anger will define our relationships. There's some old pictures here. Uh, I was wondering, okay, is there a painting for every story in the Bible? Before they had movies and all that. And I'm pretty sure there is. It doesn't matter how big or how small the story is, there's a painting for it before movies because it was an entertainment. So people wanted to glorify God in ways that they could with their artistic abilities. Let's look. This is the same painting in um, two different artists. This is the picture of David coming back into the city. This is Abisha in chapter 16 when he wanted to kill him the first time. You can see David's hand pulling back, all the people kind of out of focus in the background. Now, I want you to look at one more in black and white. I love this picture. So simple. It's a character, caricature. I think that's right. I'm not an artist at all. But it's just in the black and white. You know, it's just like it's a, it's a prep. It would it'd be like with the, the painter prepped before he did the main one. Look closely at David's hand. Where is it? It's on Abisha's hand. No, Abisha. Grace, not anger, is what we'll found this kingdom on. That's what we're going to find out. And I love this too. Look at the crown. You see the crown there? The crown is what? 
covered. You know, Jesus came like that. That's why some people don't recognize him as king. The crowns, he's so humble, it's covered. Don't necessarily even see it and don't realize he's the all-powerful king. I love the way he, that humble picture shows him. Grace or anger will define our relationships. Let's look at the New Testament here to illustrate this in Galatians. Chapter 3. Excuse me, Galatians 1, that's a typo. It's Galatians chapter 1, we're going to read verse 1 and then jump down to 10. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Galatians 1, 1, now go down to verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I speak to people, do do I speak to please people, For if I still pleased people, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. This is his family. This is his sister. This is one of his mighty men. These are one of the people that got him out of thickets and bad places. But he says, no, I will not build this on anger. We're going to build it on grace. And in fact, Abisha is one of the men, if you remember, who when David was so thirsty and they cut him and a few other guys cut through the line to take water out of the well, Abisha was one of them. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which I preached by me was not according to men, for I received neither it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 13. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism. Paul said, let me tell you who I was like. I remind myself of Abisha. For you heard of it, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. I lived in anger, not grace. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my counterpart, my contemporaries and in my own nation, being more exceedingly jealous for the traditions of the fathers. I lived in anger, not grace. But it was the grace of God that met me on the dusty road of Damascus that changed my life, that would change the early church. Who built the early church? So much Paul. And it was through the grace of God that it was built. In fact, where sin abound, grace does much more abound. And that's what David is saying. That's what Paul is saying. That's what we are understanding about our relationships. Grace or anger will define our relationships. Come on, it's going to be grace. It's going to be grace and it's going to be freedom. That's the way we renovate. It's through the grace of God. That's the way Jesus renovated. That's the way I'm going to do it. Let's keep looking. Let's go back to our story. Verse 22. And David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zerah, Zeruah, that you should be adversaries to me today. This is a powerful statement because who's he talking to? His nephew, his mighty men, his sister standing right there. And let me tell you something. Brothers and sisters love each other, but you mess with that lady's son and she's going to cut David. Her, her, she's going to kill the guy and, and do a coup on David, right? 
He looks at his family and says, you are not in charge. This is loving. This is a big deal. So many times we have the idol of relationships where relationships actually become higher than God sometimes. We don't have anything higher than God. Nothing higher than his values, nothing in our life. And he has to look at his family and say, I love you. But I'm going to tell you, you will be an adversary to me if you do this today. Is that what he says here? You will be an adversary if you decide to have these values because this is not the way we're running this kingdom. What have I to do with you? You should be adversaries to me today. And he forks the road for them, doesn't he? He forks the road and saying, listen, I'm going to the palace. I'm the king by the hand of the Lord. If you want to go to the palace, and I want you to, you have to do it like this. This is the only way to go to the palace. There's only one road. Oh, now we're getting close to Jesus. And if you're going to follow it, this is the way it has to be. And they had to make that decision, didn't they? They had to make that decision to not be like Absalom. Number three on your notes. Healthy relationships are only built on the king's values. The king's values. The king, eternal, immortal, the only wise God. His name is Jesus. It's built on the king's values, and we can't get off his values. You get off his values, and you don't have healthy relationships. Amen? His word is his values. It is his very nature himself. Now look at someone and say, I love my Bible. Well, I mean, like you look at someone and say, I love my, value, my Bible. Look at someone and say, I love the king's values. There you go. You love them. We love the king's values. And we don't ever want to be fighting the values of the king. I don't ever want to stand in opposition to the values of the king. Let's keep looking here. So that's the first part of verse 22. Let's look at the second part. We're right there in Samuel 19. Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For do I not know that today I am king over Israel? I have all power and all authority. At this time in history... The word of the king is judge, jury, and executioner, right? All power and all authority is his. That's why he's this picture, this type of Christ, because at this time, he's in complete control. And he says, I'm the king, and my decree today is no one dies. Not today. I understand. It should, it's horrible sins. I understand he was wrong what he did. He lied about who I was, what I was doing, what my kingdom and my reign was about. I understand he lied publicly to everyone and said, God's not, this king's not good, this king's wrong, and this king's bad. And we found ourselves there before, shaking our fist at a holy, righteous God, maybe, or looking at him and putting blame on him, Right? But we have a job to do. All of King David's people had a job to do, and we as Christ's followers have a job to do. It's an important job, and this is what it is right here. Number four in your notes. Follow the king's current decree. 
of long-suffering and mercy. I want to show you what this looks like in the New Testament, in the words of Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. You're doing all right? Stretch it out. You're doing good? All right. 2 Peter 3. Now let's shed a new light on this famous scripture. 2 Peter 3.8 But beloved, do not forget this one thing. Oh wait, I need to pay attention. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack or slow, your Bible may say, concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is what? long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Okay, so listen. In the eyes, of, in, the, in the thought of what we've been talking about, the king has declared that this dispensation of time between the cross and his return is what? Long-suffering and merciful. That it's the proclamation of, by grace you have been saved. It's a proclamation of, the cross of Jesus Christ is the salvation of mankind, him and him alone. It's the proclamation of the king saying, we're going to, and we have to follow that proclamation. Because it's only set for a certain time. Look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. That's the... That's the end of the proclamation, and there's the new one. We have this time we're set to follow the king's proclamation of, of, of um, long-suffering, of mercy, because verse 10 says the proclamation set in the mind of God before, the time, be- before time began, there'll be a change. But the day will come. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it, in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, that that proclamation of long suffering will be over like that. Think about that. That proclamation of grace and mercy, the time we get to live in, we are so blessed. You don't think we're blessed first. You're born in America. You better thank God for that. If you've traveled, you're blessed. You know. Secondly, we live between the cross and the second coming. Oh, God. What a glorious blessing. I'm not at this time when I only have pictures of the cross and faint memories in Israel. I am so unbelievably blessed. I live at this time. And I know Christ my Savior. Because when that time's over, it's over like that. This is why we can be persecuted and struck down, but not destroyed. This is why you can live in temptation and difficulty and give him praise because of it. Because you know when that decree ends that this one's coming. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? 
That holy conduct and godliness is that spirit of David. Amen? All right, hopefully you got that. Follow the king's current decree of long-suffering. Enjoy it. Thank God for it. Relish in it. Because when it's over, boom, it's over. Like a thief in the night in the twinkling of an eye. Everything will change. All right. I'm going to end this better. Okay, I know that was like, whoa, apocalyptic. Oh, we're gonna, let's bring it back up. We're going to bring it up something nice. And I'm going to send you out with something good. It's not going to be so heavy. And you have to get in your car and like pray for 30 minutes. Actually, that'd be good. You're getting in your car praying for 30 minutes. That's good. Let's go back to our story. We're going to end it with the words of the king because the king always has the last word, right? The king always ends it. The king's decree is what's lastly spoken and eternally confirmed. Hey, that was pretty good. I need to write that one down. That may be the, oh, that's next week. Verse 23, therefore, the king said to Shimei, you shall not die. And the king swore to him. The proclamation of life, the proclamation of mercy, the proclamation of amazing grace. Shimei did not deserve it. He had violated the law. He had slandered the king. He had done it publicly. He had done it going in and coming out. Excuse me, going out and coming in, right? And David pronounces mercy because of repentance. Now, there's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Offended not only David, but everyone around him within eyeshot, within earshot, throwing stones at him. And David pronounces such mercy, pronounces such grace. I can only come to one conclusion, Christians. One final thought for all of us. Number five on your notes. Praise the king's command of compassion. You better praise it. I better praise it. I'll get up this morning and next morning. So, oh, God. Oh, Lord, I know how to live my life with others. Oh, Lord, I know how to speak to you eternally. Oh, what command of you shall not live, you shall not die, but live. Come on, you better praise the king's command of compassion. Oh, what love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Though we will violators. Oh, God. One last scripture here as you stand. Go ahead, stand up. Stretch it out. Worship team can head on up. I ended a little early so we can obey the king's command, so we can praise the king's command of compassion. Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 3. Of course, the prophet Jeremiah kind of finishing it's the commentary or the end of his life and of, and of the difficulty 
that he went through. This is what's unique about Lamentations. Jeremiah uh, was a prophet for many years. He's the only prophet who lived before and during the captivity. He saw it all. So he, before, he warned, he warned, he warned, he warned. Your sins are going to destroy you. You have to do this. They said, no, 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 threw him in jail. He was the enemy of the state, all this stuff. And then after, he was still proclaiming God's mercy, God's judgment, all of it. Well, at the end of his life, he's frustrated. He's called the weeping prophet because he has like a 50-year ministry that's not successful. If you preach for 50 years and no one listens to you, oh, help that poor man. Ugh. Help that man. Least you grow weary in your proclamation of Jesus, in your walking with him, in your proclaiming salvation through him alone in your life. Think about Jeremiah. <laughs> but Jeremiah knew, Jesus, knew God, knew Jesus. He knew him. And he ends his frustrations and laments. Lamentation is laments. With chapter 3, verse 8. I'm sorry, 21. I'm looking at the wrong one. That's Peter. 321. I was right the first time. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Therefore I have hope with every relationship. Therefore I have hope with what I'm dealing with in my life, what's going on in my culture or my society. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because Jeremiah knew he was Shemi, and so do I but the sheer mercies of God. The king has pronounced, he will not die, he shall live. But his compassions, because his compassions fell not, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Amen. Beautiful story of reconciliation, of how to deal with people, and above all, because everything's about Jesus, a beautiful story of the way Jesus dealt with us. The way he dealt with us. Let's bow our heads when we get ready to worship here. We're going to spend a few minutes worshiping. Oh, we got to praise the compassion of the King. But just before we go into worship, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here and say, I don't know Jesus. I don't know him as Lord and Savior. I don't know who he is. I haven't felt his mercy. I haven't heard the Holy Spirit say, you shall not die. You'll live. Not only on this earth, eternally. If you're here and you don't know Christ as Savior, you can today, right now. If you're here and you don't know him, raise your hand. service, praising the compassion of the King, praising the verdict, the nature, the goodness, the holiness of the King. Can we do that? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? We just read a few verses, four verses about the greatness of God. Let's praise him.
God bless him. Thank you, Lord. I meant to say God bless you, but he's blessed too. On your way out, the ushers will have these books. Let me pull this off. This is A Tale of Three Kings. Simple little read. It reads like a novel. Even middle school can read it. I read this when I was 18. Read it again a few years ago. They're free out there. One in every family, please. Every, every family member, I'd like for you to have one. It is a book about David, Saul, and Absalom. You'll be one of those three. It is the best to deal with your heart and relationships and difficulties and hurts. Great little book, great little read. It's out there for you guys. God bless you. We love you. Have a great day.